Well, good, uh, good morning to everyone. Peace of Christ to you too, Alan. As we uh, venture into our, our third week um, walking through um, Colossians, uh, we'll be right at the end of, of chapter 1. And as um, uh, uh, Brian and Karen both have been speaking, as we've been singing, it is a uh, um, uh, Paul's charge to the church in Colossae. Uh, is the little uh, it's a town uh, in sort of southwestern modern-day Turkey for us uh, today. And he never had visited there, but he had, was writing with them and the, the churches in that area. And, and he um, wanted them to, to hear the word about um, uh, how it, you had to go deep in order to live high um, in in Christ. Um, what, what we'll see as we walk through this is that there just is no such thing as a shallow Christian living high. Um, it's, it's not something of following Jesus in this world that we can do in our spare time. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's something that requires our, our effort and our toil and our focus in order to go deep so that we can live high with Christ in um, this day. And that's uh, what he's communicating to the church then and what hopefully we'll receive um, this morning as we look um, at this section of his letter there. We'll we'll start with verse 21 on uh, page 956 in your pew Bible, uh, chapter 1, starting with verse 21. Let's, uh, Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, speak to us in this time. Uh, Continue to to show us of your glory, um, of uh, your power, uh, of your presence at work in us. Um, We we desire, we long to to walk with you. So help us to hear what we need to hear, um, uh, to, to live out what you're calling us to do so that we might go deep and then live high in you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Now we'll, we'll walk through these, uh, this section here, paragraph by uh, paragraph. So starting with uh, verse 21 of chapter 1. And um, uh, the, the previous section is a section that, uh, where Paul talks about the supremacy of Christ and just how grand um, Christ is. He was before creation. He's at the end of creation. He is um, uh, the one that created everything uh, that is. And he is the one that has re- made us right with God. And so, verse 21. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind... Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. So he wants to to hit right off just how deep Jesus has gone for us. That that he has died. I mean, in his fleshly body, he has died in order to make us right with God. And, 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 And note here, it's not that we were just a little off course. 
We didn't just need a little mid-course correction here, just a little nudge in one direction or another. What, What Paul is telling the church there and us is, no, you were dead in your evil deeds. You were hostile even to God. And in that situation, in that reality of being hostile before God, Jesus died for you to make you right with God. And in order to present you, says. Did you catch how, what Jesus does? How he presents us? Remember that word, present. In order to present us holy, blameless, and irreproachable. Uh, irreproachable means without fault. Holy, blameless, and irreproachable. If you are in Jesus Christ, then that means you are holy, blameless, and irreproachable. Say that with me, all right? I want you just to say, I am holy, blameless, and irreproachable. Y'all are quick on the trigger there. Now we'll say it again all together. I am holy, blameless, and irreproachable. Sort of sends shivers down my back to say that. You know, I mean, you might even be saying, okay, did pastor just make us all lie, you know, in church on Sunday morning? No, that is who you are, who I am, who we are in Christ. That is how he presents us before Almighty God. That is a finished work of the cross applied in our lives. That is the reality of the reconciliation that evil beings have before a holy God. There's just no in-between here. There's no, well, you're sort of good, you're sort of nice, and you're holy on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's what Jesus has done wholly and completely has made us holy, blameless, and irreproachable before our Heavenly Father. Now, Paul goes on with a, 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 in verse 23 uh, to say some words that may be sort of hard to, to, to grasp here, um, or at least make us question, because he says, You are wholly blameless, irreproachable before Him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature, and of which Paul is a servant. Now, is he... Is he saying that I'm wholly blameless and irreproachable as long as I'm sort of keeping the faith and walking in the faith? Is this sort of a faith, uh, this is a salvation by works? It's because of what I'm doing? No. That being blameless, holy, irreproachable is what Jesus has done. You couldn't do it if you tried. Jesus has done that for us. What Paul is saying, there's a whole bunch here, and we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail around this, but there's one thing that I want us to catch, and that is that Paul wants to make it clear to the church then and to us that there's no sense of accepting Jesus as Savior. Saying, I like that idea that Jesus is going to make me holy, blameless, and irreproachable before God. So I'll take that, and then I'm going to go do what I want until I see God face to face. There's just no sense of accepting Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. Being holy, blameless, and irreproachable is the trajectory of those who are seeking to follow Jesus. That is the direction of our lives. 
that he is within us. He is working, as we'll see as we walk through here. Paul is, is to present us mature in Christ. He is at work in us. Christ is in us. Not just as a nice little token that we'll use on the glory train when that day comes. He is within us, changing us, transforming us along this trajectory of what we will be when we're before God face to face. Holy, blameless, and irreproachable. That is the direction that Jesus wants to move me and you. That's the high life that he is calling us to. And Paul wants to, one thing wants to make sure is to say it's not just that we're holy then in that day to come, but that we are pursuing that holiness, that blamelessness and irreproachability, if that's a word, in this life. And that is why Paul toils, struggles, and suffers in order to help the church on that journey of going deep and living high in Christ. Uh, turn with me uh, then uh, on the page, next page, verse uh, 24. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of His body, that is the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations but has now been revealed to His saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. This may be one of the greatest paragraphs I think that captures the purpose of the church. Because it captures Paul's purpose. That, that he has been called in order even to suffer and, and, and to toil and, and to struggle for the maturity of the church. So that those who claim to follow Jesus are growing more and more like him. The reason we gather here is so that we might experience Christ alive in us. And that He might continue to transform us to become more and more like Him. That we may take steps in our maturity in Him. Living in Him. Living like Him. Walking with Him. Being His witness. That's the, the purpose of Paul to mature the church. That's the purpose of the church. To mature one another. To present one another mature in Christ. Just like Jesus has already presented us before the Father. Now the church is at work presenting us as mature. Because that's who we already are. We're helping, challenging, supporting, encouraging one another to be 
who Jesus has already made us. And I want you to, to note in verse 27 here, how he, he gets out that this is the mystery of the gospel here. That, that Christ is in you. And not just in you. There's, there's a, he, he, the reason he points out the Gentiles here, if you see in verse 26 and 27, he says this is, this is in the Gentiles because the Gentiles were the, the people that, that God had, had nothing to do with God. They were never going to know God. They, they were the evil ones. They were the bad ones. They were the yucky, ucky, gross, cootie ones. And they, they weren't going to be a part of God's people. And the mystery is, no, Christ is in you and in them. You see how Paul's common word there at the end, it says, we warn everyone, we teach everyone, so that everyone may be mature. That everyone means you and me. There is no one who is outside the power of God to be growing and maturing on the trajectory of being holy, pure, blameless, and irreproachable. Now, do we get there in this life? No. But that's our trajectory. And that's where we will arrive when we see our Lord face to face. The purpose of the church, the purpose of us gathering together is to experience and know the mystery of Christ in you. Now, you might also have a question here about where Paul says, you know, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's suffering. Anybody have a question? Did you read that and say, what does he mean by that? Uh, I see two people nodding their heads. Yeah, well, is there some sense that, that Jesus' work on the cross, that his suffering in the garden and on the cross did not uh, accomplish everything that was necessary for our salvation, for our being reconciled to God? That there is no sense that that was incomplete. That was complete. But that was accomplishing what we know is, is finished in the end time, our reconciliation with God. The suffering that Paul is speaking about for the sake of Christ, in the way of Christ, is for Christ's body, for us, the church. The suffering that continues is in order for the church to mature. It's the suffering that, that we endure as we face the opposition in our own self, in the world around us, and from the devil, as we seek to mature and grow on this trajectory of being holy, blameless, and irreproachable. As as we move in that direction, we will face opposition. We'll, We'll face opposition within us. We'll face opposition from the world and from the devil. If, if we are going to be serious about growing deeper in Christ, then we will face that opposition. Now, the, the cure, sure way to not face that opposition is just to stay shallow with Jesus and, and sacrifice the high life with Him. Just stay shallow. Yeah, in a way, I think that the one advantage of staying shallow, of not being serious about our life with Christ, is the devil ain't going to mess with you then. Because he's got you right where he wants you. Yeah, matter of fact, that's a perfect thing. A bunch of people who claim to be Christians, but really don't know him. Why would the devil mess up? That's a perfect recipe for what he's about. But if we are going to 
walk into the maturity that Christ has called us into, then we will face the opposition within us, our own evil, our own selfishness. We will face the opposition of the world that wants to distract us, to take our full attention off of Christ. And the evil one who wants no one to give glory and honor to Christ. That's why Paul warns and teaches everyone so as to present all mature in Christ. That we would live what our memory verse has been uh, this week. That we would, as we have received Jesus Christ the Lord, that we would continue to live in Him because He is in us. Now, Paul has a a few other words for them to say he wants to come visit them. He wants to give them some some direction in terms of how to go deep in Jesus, how to to, to grow in this journey of maturity. So, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. For I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those in Laodicea, that is a neighboring city, and for all who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ Himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. And I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So you see, Paul wants to come visit because he wants to, to pass on some of these things. He wants to encourage them, want to be sure they're doing the stuff that, that is necessary for them to, to be deep in Christ. It's not that you do anything and Jesus comes closer. I mean, the, the, the spiritual disciplines, gathering in worship, reading the Bible, praying, fasting, silence, you know, walking with God in, the, in nature trails or I don't know where you do it today or you bundle up and you go do it. But whatever, listening to songs and all that, that does not in any way make Jesus closer to you. There's no closer than he can be than in you. That's what he already is. But what it does is it opens us up to give our attention to the reality that Christ is in us. And what is amazing is that the church in the United States does not practice going deep with Jesus. Matter, matter of fact, this is some Barna, you know, um, uh, Barna studies uh, recently. I know I've got them here somewhere. Uh, where uh, 81% of the people they surveyed were Christian adults. So they made a personal um, commitment to Jesus Christ. And he was still important to their lives. And 78% strongly agreed that spirituality is very important to them. But then, only 18% said they did anything about it. Whoa. that's Now, I'm sure he didn't interview any of us. So it's for our prayer time for other people. But 78% said, yes, our spiritual growth, the necessity of of doing this stuff so that we give our attention to Christ, so that we're growing in Him, so that we distinguish the Word of of God from the Word of our own making or the the Word of those around us. 
only 18% said they were committed to investing in their own spiritual maturity. Friends, that's just not the way that it happens. It just doesn't work that way. Did you hear the words of Paul? Suffering, striving, toiling. There is work. It doesn't earn anything before God. What Jesus has done, He has presented us blameless. But the work is living into that trajectory. Is doing the, the, the work of, of living into that holiness and purity that He has already placed us in and for which He now indwells us. So Paul says, I want to come so that I can encourage you in that. I want you to continue to, to live in that. And I want you, the necessity then, he says here, is I encourage you in that. Um, all right, I got too excited, lost my place. So that you, um, for all, uh, I want this to be, I want your heart, verse 2, I want their heart to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all riches of assured understanding. Now, you see the, the necessity of the people doing it together, of being united in love. Not, again, not just a bunch of individuals, but being united in love was, was necessary for this growth and maturity um, in Christ. And... Um, uh, for this, I, I want to tell you, one of the best ways to be united in love is to learn how to listen. So I'm making a shameless plug here for the listening class in a couple weeks. Because that is one of the greatest tools that we need to develop in terms of being united in love. Learning to listen, to not just to one another, learning to listen to ourselves, learning to listen to God. I mean, the, the skill of listening is not one that's well-developed among the human race. And, and one we need to continue to, to grow in, especially for us as we seek to be a, a church of, of multi-economic backgrounds, multi-race, uh, of, of uh, multi-educational level, of multi-generation. We, we come from different places and understandings. We need to learn to listen to one another so that we are united in Jesus above and beyond anything else that may unite us in love, but in Him, so that we can mature and grow together. Then he says, as that that happens, so that you might have the riches of assured understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's, It's not in a theological treatise. It's not in guidelines. It's not even in the Bible. It is in Jesus Himself who is alive in you. And the assurance that that's the case. Because as we go out, as we seek to to walk this high life, going deep with Him, to walk the high life of being blameless and pure and holy and irreproachable as He has made us to be, through the blood on the cross, it's going to be a real challenge. And we're going to need that assurance that Jesus is alive in us. We're going to need to assure one another. We're going to have to experience that reality. One of my favorite stories in the ministry of Dr. King is when... 
He'd been in Montgomery a, a few years, had started the bus boycott. Um, uh, the old civil rights movement was in, in full swing, and it was chaotic. And he shares the story one time, just him in his kitchen around midnight. He received a call, which he got periodically. They weren't usually nice when they were at midnight. And the person uh, said to him, We're tired of you. And if you aren't out of town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. Dr. King said, I sat there and thought about a beautiful little daughter who'd just been born. She was the darling of my life. I'd come in night after night and see that little gentle smile. I sat at the kitchen table thinking about the little girl and thinking that she could be taken from me at any minute. I got to the point I couldn't take it any longer. I was weak. Something said to me, you can't call on Daddy now. He's up in Atlanta, 175 miles away. You can't even call on Mama now. You've got to call on that power that can find a way out of no way. I discovered that night that religion had to become real to me. I had to know God for myself. I bowed my head over a cup of coffee. I will never forget it. I prayed a prayer and I prayed out loud that night. It seemed to me in that moment that I could hear a voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And I will be with you even until the end of the world. I heard the voice of Jesus saying to fight on. For anyone that seeks to follow Jesus, hopefully we won't have this kind of direct assault. But we will have those powers that want to oppose us, want to silence us, want to shut us down on this journey of maturing in Christ. And what we need then is the reality of Jesus alive in you and me. And if there's any doubt within you, well, you don't know me. Jesus isn't going to be inside of me. You know, you don't know Jesus. And you don't know the person left uh, to the left of you or the right of you or the person that's talking to you. Because Jesus is inside of us because of His character, His holiness, and His power. And as, as Paul says, I want you to know this mystery, experience its reality so that you will be firm and strong in the face of false teaching, in the face of the opposition that is around you. So that you might continue to live in Jesus who saved you. So that the, the energy of God will fill you. The very presence of Jesus within you will enable you to live high. Let's, let's say together um, uh, our memory verse that is in the last two verses that we read today um, in uh, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, 
abounding in thanksgiving. Friends, we, we get high in Christ by going deep in Him and letting Him go deep in you so that we might continue to live our lives in Him in the face of all kinds of opposition, even within us, the opposition within us that would want to curtail us, somehow derail us, somehow lead us down a path that is not the high life that Jesus has for us. Amen.